When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the CHGO Cubs podcast. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan, and we are coming to you live here on Sunday, September 10th. The Cubs get the victory in the finale of the four-game set with the Arizona Diamondbacks here on Sunday to earn a 4-3 and three homestand after sweeping the Giants earlier this week. Uh, rough you know, Friday through Saturday, or excuse me, Thursday through Saturday here against Arizona, Brendan, but four and three against a couple of wild card hopefuls. Uh, All things considered before you head out west, not a bad homestand, if not a a frustrating few days sandwiched in the middle there. At least they rebounded, right? The tone of this podcast would be substantially different had they got swept, but... You know, we'll get into a lot of it. There's only, what, 18 games left? Like, at this point, you know, it's almost a coin flip, more or less. So, in my mind, I'm trying to draw back on that, that at this point, a lot of randomness can happen. And not to get so hung up on maybe some of the small details we might otherwise get hung up on, like, back in, like, April and May. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and and a very interesting week, right? I'm curious uh, if you are joining us live here on YouTube. I know the Bears like just kicked off. So if you're rocking with us live, uh, <laughs> we appreciate it. I, I know some of you probably will be joining later watching on demand or yeah. listening on your podcast feed after the Bears game. Um and in, if you are here live in the YouTube chat, let us know how you're feeling about things, right? Because like a really great series from this team to sort of put down the San Francisco Giants, earn that sweep earlier in the week. Justin Steele, we'll talk about him. Two incredible starts this week, obviously. Kyle Hendricks, a really great start here on Sunday. Jamison Tyone with a really nice start against the Diamondbacks. Look at that, uh, Tyone. Even though, you know, the Cubs couldn't get the run support for him. So plenty to talk about, but just a... I, like you said, Brendan, they they salvaged the game on Sunday, but I, I think there was a, a lot of frustration for those few days. The offense disappearing. Well, I sensed it from you. Like you were not, you were not happy. I, I was not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you were, you know, you were probably a little I mean, annoyed it, with my text too. I can, I can kind of tell. <laughs> There's, I'm always annoyed with your text. There's, well, that's, that's, there's definitely some to talk about about the lineup. David Ross doing some shuffling on Sunday. Christopher Morell back in the leadoff shot. Seiya yeah. Suzuki moving up to the three hole. Uh, Ian Happ moving down as, you know, the Diamondbacks did an opener type thing, but uh, he still moved down, uh, you know, took that first at bat at least from the right-handed side. So interesting from David, but he's been adamant that the lineup is going to be mostly the same uh, because those are the guys that got them here. That's what he says, right? We can debate whether that's a good idea or, you know, whatever. Um, 
the other thing, we will keep an eye on it, but we did get word from our guy, Jared Willis, who was covering the game for allchgo.com at Wrigley Field today that Jaimer Candelario left with back tightness. So I know we were all kind of wondering why uh, Talkman came in, Candy came out in the fifth inning of that game. Uh, but he is um, experiencing back tightness. So am so, I. My neck hurts too. Right. He and I both. So we'll see uh, how how that plays out with the Cubs heading out west. Hopefully he doesn't miss any time or at least too much time. So yeah. we will see. Uh, but Brendan, again, plenty to talk about here. I want to talk about uh, Cody Bellinger getting his 25th home run. He joined some pretty exclusive company uh, this afternoon at Wrigley Field. Dansby Swanson, another 20 homer season for him. Um, so some milestones there. And then, of course, at some point, we'll look at Justin Steele and you know, talk about where he sits in this Cy Young race. I think I was with Cody at Murphy's Bleachers yesterday, not at least yesterday, odds-wise, he was still not the favorite. But in terms of the case, yeah. uh, he certainly looks like the favorite or very close to it if I were voting. Now, of course, well, you're I'm not biased. biased. Yeah, <laughs> completely unbiased right. figure over there. Right. Yeah. Um, so plenty to talk about. Again, want to talk to you about what Jamison Tyone did well in this Diamondback okay. series and how maybe we can kind of continue that. Of course, you know, some more bullpen discussions with how those things went this weekend, the offense, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but I, I think, you know, the place to start for me, Brendan, uh, four and three, again, the Diamondback series frustrating at times, but when you bring in two teams, we knew that this stretch was going to feature a lot of teams the Cubs are competing with uh, for these playoff spots. I thought, you know, this is a, a week that you will certainly take. I think frustrated by some of those Diamondbacks games, but listen, four and three, when you have teams in here fighting for their lives, I, I think you're going to take that. I Listen, I will take it. I think there's a lot of frustration about the lineup, lineup decisions, Dansby not being moved down other than today. Ian Happ and the third spot's been a consistent discussion for like six weeks now. I get it, right? Like I'm not, you know, I understand sometimes me too, I can be frustrated about certain performances and decisions, but like they're going to live and die with this group, right? Like whether or not you move say up or half down for the next like two weeks, like at this point, randomness is going to take over. This is the group. If Dansby Swanson, Jamer Condelario, assuming he comes back healthy, Seiya Suzuki, Ian Happ, if these guys don't hit, then it doesn't matter where they're going to bat. I mean, you look at the last five weeks now, six weeks, whatever, however you want to break it up. You know, Dansby's WRC Plus was pretty low. Jan Gomes was pretty low. Jamer, really low. Burrell was like in the teens, Corey. So this is going to happen. You can be frustrated about not showing up as a group the past week. But overall, if the performances continue to be that low outside of the first three spots in the lineup, it doesn't matter where they're yeah. going to hit. I think overall, like I'm not like I'm not worried about the lineup. That's famous last words, right? But like I'm actually not worried about it. I think there's enough depth where over the next few weeks, some guys will come out of it. Dasby today looking like he came out of it. Yeah, nice game from Dansby today. Yeah, and you see Ian Happ has actually been quite well the past 
three, four weeks. Seiya continues to look good. Nico continues to put up productive at-bats. Mike Talkman still showcasing discipline. Like overall, my concern, as weird as it sounds, is really not focused on the lineup. I'm still drawing my, you can call it worry or anxiety or whatever you want to call it. I'm still drawing that attention to the middle of the bullpen and the back end of the rotation. To me, there's this there's this large potential gap of the back end of the bullpen with Leiter, Alzali, and um, Merriweather. Merriweather to the middle guys like Wisniewski and Palencia and those. So I want to see that shored up. That's where my attention is. Yeah, I mean, you know, and you continue to see it, right? We talked about it a lot with that Red Series, but you see it this weekend too. Like the the bullpen management is going to be, I think, one of the most important things for this team going forward. It is for most teams, but you just got a lot of guys that are being pushed to their limit, you know, throwing more innings than they have in their career before, th- certainly throwing all of them. high leverage. All innings, of them. Merriweather, right? Leiter, Alzali, all of them. Right. The first September ever. Yeah. And, you know, I know it's frustrating, right? Sometimes these guys don't perform in a one-to-nothing game or anything like that. But, you know, you got to remember, right? Like, Albert Alzai, this is his first time closing. Mark Leiter Jr. is being elevated to high-leverage relief. He was starting games for you last year. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Julian Merriweather was waived by the <laughs> Toronto Blue Jays, right? Like, yeah. this is you're, – you're putting guys in big-time positions and – they're 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 getting over their innings limit so this is going to be a thing uh that they are going to have to manage and it is going to be important for those guys like Palencia like Jose Quas who's who has a I think 1.17 ERA as a Cubs he's He's been great yeah Um, making changes too like Luke Little, like you're, you're going to need these guys to come in and, and step up. Hayden Wisniewski with a really nice outing on Sunday. You're going to need to see more of that because the ability for David Ross to go to Lighter, Merriweather, Alzali, every game is not, it's, it, they're going to run out of gas, right? We're already sort of seeing it where you need yeah. to really be careful with how much you're using them. So that's going to be important. And that's, I think, why the offense uh, the, their performance in those three losses to the Diamondbacks were particularly frustrating, right? Because uh, you just have these guys going out there pitching pretty well, and you're asking them to hold one to nothing, two to nothing, two to one, et cetera, yeah. things like that. So uh, eventually that's going to put a lot of pressure on a bullpen that is already not set up to handle that type of pressure. But Brendan, where I want to start getting into some of the specifics um, and yes, uh, we'll talk a little bit about that, uh, Yankees Brewers game, very weird situation there in New York. Um, but Kyle Hendricks, man, um, Kyle Hendricks gave you the start that you needed. Um, the, the starting rotation has been very good all week, but, uh, five and two thirds, seven hits, two earned one walk and four strikeouts. A lot of those hits of the classic weak contact against Kyle Hendricks variety. Tommy Pham was seeing him well, hit the ball hard. Uh, but a lot of those kind of just bleeders falling in front of the outfielders. Kyle Hendricks uh, has a 3.71 ERA. He picks up his sixth win of the year. We've talked about Kyle Hendricks a lot. You and I have been talking about Kyle Hendricks for eight years now, right? It's nice. Um, yeah. But I, there, there are 
there is little you can say about how good Kyle Hendricks has been for this team and how important him being this good has been to this rotation. Just outstanding again on Sunday, and he continues to be uh, you know, one of the the people I think in the discussion uh, outside of Justin Steele and Cody Bellinger for, you know, kind of like low-key t- team MVPs for this group. Beyond expectations, right? Like even looking at the rotation, you have Steele who's exceeding expectations, Javier Assad recently exceeding expectations. Kyle Hendricks is exceeding expectations in that he's doing this every fifth day. And the overarching injury concerns aren't there right now. Like to me, it's just, is he healthy? Is that capsular tear going to hold up? And by all intents and purposes, it is. The velocity today, Corey, still 88, 89, uh, touching 90 miles per hour over the past few weeks here. Like that, that is what we saw from Kyle in 2016. There was a moment in 2017 where like he came back and he started throwing 84, 85. And my, like, at that point, my brain was like dying. I'm like, he's there's no way that Kyle just went from 88 down to 85, 86. And that kind of persisted for a few years. And it was interesting because be, because when he went down with his capsular tear, he actually referenced those years and how important it is for him to get back to 88, 89. We joked about it and his overall offseason throwing program to get his velocity back. But the difference between 88 and 85 may not seem significant, but for him, he said it's himself. It is quite significant. So as I'm watching these games, I'm always dialing in on that velocity because that's what Kyle has said. Like when his velocity is that good, then he's his best version of himself. And every fifth day, 88, 89, 90, cutting changeups, sweeping other direction changeups, left-handed batters, it's a thing of beauty. It really is remarkable how reliable he is and how necessary he is for this team. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just some filthy. I mean, those swings uh, from oh, disgusting. Uh, Peterson and Carroll on the changeup, especially yeah. in the first inning. I mean, them like kind of reaching over into the other batter's box. <laughs> it's really classical Hendricks. Classic Hendricks. Yeah. Um, and yeah, again, just so important for this team that he's been such a stable feature, right? We've heard that Marcus Stroman is working to get back uh, and possibly in a relief role. Um you know, sometime toward the middle of the month. We'll see if that happens. He has been throwing. Reports are that he's feeling good. It would be nice uh, if he can be a part of this at Anything, all. Anything, just right? give any, any part point. of this pitching staff. You know, yeah. if he can be Marcus Stroman, even if it's just for a few innings at a time, because obviously he's been out for some time now. It's tough to get stretched back up for just a couple weeks here, or, you know, maybe a month and a half if they go and win the World Series, right? Ooh, but okay. uh, that would be very <laughs> You're in helpful, a good mood today. <laughs> right? Um, moving to Justin Steele, right? Like, yeah. uh, it, just what a season he is having and what a week he had. Um, a couple of really nice starts for this team. Uh, of course, he goes on Monday. The Cubs win five to nothing on the holiday Monday behind Justin Steele, uh, taking that first game against the Giants. And Steele in this game, eight innings, the longest of his career, two hits, no runs, two walks, and 12 strikeouts. Uh, He picks up his 16th win on Monday. Then, of course, he goes again this weekend against the Diamondbacks. Another stellar start for Justin Steele. And, you know, Brendan, you start to look at this uh, on Saturday. It was seven innings, six hits, one run, no walks, and six strikeouts. 
as we record this, Justin Steele is your ERA leader in Major League Baseball, number one on that list. Justin Steele has a 2.49 ERA just ahead of Blake Snell for the Padres at 2.52. And with the 16 wins, Justin Steele is tied with Spencer Strider for the Major League lead. You can dig into a ton of categories uh, as it relates to pitching. I know, you know, people looking at Strider and saying he's been a little unlucky, um, things like that. You know, (laughs) Snell pitching for a team that's not in the race. How the writers vote on this stuff varies, right? Some people will not vote for Snell because the Padres aren't winning, right? Some people will vote for Strider because they're looking at expected metrics, right? Um, but for do they me, really do that? You think honestly expected metrics? I'm just saying people vote for different I mean, things, right? Like, and, and, and they, you know, they'll look at the strikeouts and, and things like that and give the edge to certain other guys. Steel, I'm going to be pissed if he doesn't win this award, man, because, and I think Monday against the giants was sort of his signature start, at least so far going eight innings on a brutally hot day at Wrigley Field, where for most of that game, the Cubs offense had only provided him with one run. Uh, For him to continue doing this, and at this point in the season, when he's over his innings mark, throwing more pitches than he ever has at the major league level, he goes out there and delivers the longest start of his career, Brendan. I mean, that was just a signature moment. It it reminded me a little of John Lester against the Giants, uh, you know, years ago, right? You remember that? When that felt like that kind of cemented them in that race? I do. This just, it it had that feel. And, you know, Justin is just that dude. um, And I, you know. I, I, I mean, I that's for, coming from you, John Lester comps, Corey. That's big. That's the first time I've personally heard you make the comparison. Uh, well, I mean, it just felt like that kind of thing, especially just the same team against the Giants. So uh, we'll see how they vote. It doesn't really matter. What matters is that he has been incredible for this team. Uh, the numbers speak for themselves. And unfortunately, he wasn't able to get the win on Saturday. The offense wasn't there for him. But... Th- Two games against two teams you're trying to fend off in this wild card race, and he goes out there and deals both times. It's an incredible yeah. week for Justin Steele. You know, there's a lot of chatter about on social about, you know, some of his other metrics like whip and some of the what's called middling whip numbers, which is, you know, kind of ridiculous. But Justin Steele is one of the most underappreciated pitchers in Major League Baseball, Corey. Not just from like his on-field value, but the way he goes about actually getting the outs. You and I are lucky that he's on our team, that we get to see this every fifth day. Because almost, actually not almost, no other pitcher in Major League Baseball has his fastball, has that type of fastball, and then you couple that with this slider. And I showed this, I think, a a few weeks ago, but I still want to show it again, because this is like... To me, it's remarkable. And what you're looking at here is his fastball shape. And in 2021, which is the top panel, this is the amount of cutting action as well as like vertical break. But anything to the left of that red dashed line is fastballs thrown with arm side run. And then you can see last season that shifted to more cutting action. And that's persisted and actually has been quite tight in 2023 as well. And I bring this up because that is what will give Justin Steele consistent 
success. No one, Corey, in Major League Baseball throws fastballs like that. And Steele has thrown over 1,500 of those fastballs this season. So when votes are being cast and we talk about expected metrics and the degree of error in expected metrics, that is, that is ridiculous. What Justin Steele is showcasing is the ability to induce weak contact to get strikeouts, to hammer the strike zone, and to do it with a pitch type that literally no other pitcher in Major League Baseball has. So he is, right now in my mind, the unequivocal Cy Young candidate. And going into next year, health, assuming is there, he'll be right back up there again. This is a unique pitch type. This is something that was developed last year. And to me, when we talk about like the pitch lab and when there's jokes made about the pitch lab not working, it's a ridiculous name. But the the efforts from these coaches and from the scouts to get Justin Steele to the point of being an average pitcher, not even 15, 16 months ago, to a legitimate, undeniable Cy Young Award candidate, perhaps winner, is insane. Corey. And that is the value of Tommy Hadovy, Craig Breslow, Daniel Moskaus, Craig Jacobson, all of those guys. And I I think when I show charts like that, I hope it like provides some complimentary appreciation to what he's done. This is insane. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like I said, leads Major League Baseball in ERA. Uh, the second best FIP, if you're looking at that, fielding independent pitching. Uh, second best in F War. We are a fan graphs war family. It's Justin Steele, man. It's so Justin Steele. Incredible season uh, for Justin. And yes, thank you to everyone in the chat uh, updating us. So a weird one in New York today, but the Brewers do lose. Uh, the Brewers were getting no hit. I, I was at the game, so the chat will have to remind me. I think they were getting no hit into the 10th inning. Yeah. by the Milwaukee Brewers, but the Brewers could not score. Uh, they end up going one run each in the 11th, two runs each in the 12th, and one run in the 13th for the Yankees, who win the game. So the Cubs now sit just three games three. behind the Milwaukee Brewers in the division. Uh, so that is uh, certainly still in play, uh, and you just got to keep putting your head down and trying to get Ws. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's, right. that's always a nice update. So we will uh, take a look at the full picture because uh, I know I think there's still a couple games going on uh, right now. So we'll take a look at the full picture uh, for the playoffs for the Cubs at, as we get towards the end of the show, uh, set you up you know, as we head out west and go out for the week. So let's take a quick break here, then we'll get back into it. For our sponsors, first of which is Ray CDJR. Get your ducks in a row because it's the grand reopening of Ray CDJR in Fox Lake. Flock in to Ray CDJR and celebrate their Get Ducked event with free prizes and your chance to win $1,000 plus during Jeep Adventure Days. Get employee pricing and all new 2023 Jeep Gladiator models. The grand reopening of Ray CDJR in Fox Lake is only on this week, but our savings are all month long. 
second break here from our sponsor shady rays take on the sun with gear built to last our friends at shady rays have you covered for the warm weather ahead with premium polarized shades at an affordable price Shady Rays is an independent sunglass company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair we've worn. Durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventurers like going to watch the Cubs win. That's not all. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection program in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they told us they'll send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back long after you purchase and together with their customers. Shady Rays is providing much-needed support to nonprofit partners across the U.S. through Shady Rays Impact, from building playsets for pediatric cancer patients to providing young adults with MS, the outdoor adventure of a lifetime. Shady Rays is making an impact in your community and others like it now and for years to come. If you don't love your Shady Rays, exchange them for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop. Their team always has your back exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com. Use code CHGO for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the Shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. Corey. Yes. Uh, and again, thank you to the chat. I misspoke. The uh, Yankees were the ones being no hit, not the Brewers. Oh, the Brewers were throwing the no hitter, which is funnier because then they lost for 13 <laughs> innings. So, um, three games in the division. Uh, Want to go to? We had some milestones out at beautiful historic Wrigley Field on Sunday. Cody Bellinger blasting his 25th home run of the year. He also has 20 stolen bases. He joins pretty exclusive company. Brendan, and some yeah. big-time names in Chicago Cubs history uh, as having a season with 25 homers and 20 stolen bases. And, of course, Cody is not done, right? Uh, might get to 30-25, perhaps. Wow. But 25 homers and 20 f- stolen bases in a season for the Chicago Cubs. Sammy Sosa, Ryan Sandberg, okay. Javier Baez, okay. and Cody Bellinger. That's okay. it. Well, there you go. That's, there you go. Good <laughs> that's good. To be in. That's good company right there. I didn't even realize Javi was in that category. Like that's just in, insane the production he used to put up. But man, like how do you not appreciate the importance of Cody Bellinger this this season and what he continues to do, even when he may be going through some some funks, the plate approach that he's providing two-strike approach, the B-hack approach, always putting the ball in play, having batted balls on like a good line, you know, his like sweet spot is among the best in Major League Baseball, just just phenomenal. And that's where I go back on my thinking of this lineup is when Cody Bellinger is your anchor and you have guys with track records like Dansby, like Ian Hasman doing well, like in an 18-game window, which is now where we are, I, I almost don't even care for talking about lineup construction or like who should be playing right now. Like to me, it's like anything can happen. And when you have guys in this lineup like those that I just mentioned, you know, it's just a matter of now here we are in middle September. In a month from now, we may not even be talking about this team ever again. Like this, like this is how baseball is for the time being. I'm just going to enjoy the production, kind of just be in the moment, see if it works out. There's nothing you and I can do about this. There's really not much 
the front office can do. It's how much David Ross can do. Well, I complain about a lot of things on on Twitter. Actually, I've been a lot. I've been a lot better about that on Twitter recently. Yeah. But like, I I think my that's where my thinking is. Is like you know, this is not April May anymore. This is not like you and I wanting Morel to get more at bats anymore. Like this is it. Like anything can happen at this point. So that's where I'm at. Yeah, I mean, I I don't necessarily have a. Uh strong disagreement um you just have a, a slight disagreement <laughs> well i mean i i did think throughout this week that it would have been a good idea to maybe give one or two guys a rest throughout the week like who uh i mean i think dansby could have used a day off i think nico could have he used had a great a day, day off. off today sure i think candy yeah. could have used a day off uh but you know ultimately like the answers on the bench are certainly not clear right like wisdom is who he is right he's a very low average hitter but maybe he runs into one um you know morell really nice game on sunday but he you know coming into it was pretty cold yeah. uh canario we know nothing about because he has just not seen the field clearly they're not confident or you know that's just not the direction they're going with that yeah. um so it is what it is right um can so, we talk about Dasby though I do want to just bring, yeah, yeah, bring yeah, that yeah. up I just okay. was yeah I was just gonna finish on belly that uh I think he you know again what can you really say about it I, I think he has to be your number one priority in the offseason I saw yeah, a comment I so uh earlier in the chat like you know he he not maybe not single-handedly but like his play is the reason that we're here right now you know, the way that he has carried this offense and the production that he has provided is such a massive reason why the team turned things <laughs> around in that few week stretch heading into the yeah. trade deadline and where, you know, obviously like they would be nowhere without Cody no, Bellinger. He's so the main reason why we're here. And, you know, you watch him on a day like today, they have to bring in Talkman sometimes, right? Because Candy's out. He's out in center. He's at first. Like he'll do whatever you want for the team. He's stealing bases. He's hitting homers. Yeah, he's unreal. You just you, you can't say enough uh, about what Cody Bellinger has done. But yes, moving to Dansby Swanson, Dansby with a homer, really nice day on Sunday. And I thought just the quality of contact looked better yeah, from him on Sunday. He was also he made that one play charging in from short. And I don't know if they showed this on the broadcast or not, but he was feeling himself, man. He was running off. Uh, you the gotta field, check like my Twitter. You gotta check my Twitter. It's all over. Oh, there. I have you muted. Um, <laughs> well, that's fair. But. He was hurts me, really feeling it. Um, he was feeling himself. And it was nice to see him have a really nice day with his 20th homer today, a third straight season of 20-plus homers for Dansby Swanson. And I think you put it really well when you said it on uh, Twitter. I did see this one. Oh, okay. Um, okay. You know, he's hitting 20 homers. He's playing the best defense shortstop in the game. It, I mean, you know, we're very lucky to have we Dansby are. Swanson. We are. And then I started, like, when Dansby's going through his funk and when any guys go through different lows, there's sometimes different explanations for it. Like, with Seiya Suzuki earlier on, like, you can kind of visually see what he was going through. Maybe the aggressiveness wasn't quite there. The, uh, the, the timing wasn't there, according to David Ross and Dustin Kelly. And then there's different reasons for what, why guys go through funks as as well. That's not necessarily aligned with just, you know, being bad per se. And so when you look at Dansby Swanson, what's interesting about Dansby is that over the last month, 
three, four weeks, specifically in his last 50 to 100 plate appearances, within a 100 plate appearance window, his contact rate is around 78%. And then you shrink that down a little bit more, around 50 plate appearances, 83%. The reason I bring this up is because his overall contact rate is around 71%. And so when you see an extreme like that, especially that's not a small sample size, you know, 50 to 100 plate appearances is quite large for that. When that happens, when you see over 80%, I think, huh, that's interesting. Like what's going on there? And then likewise, his overall chase rate has also gone up from like 22% now to 30%. And the quality of contact has gone down. The exit velocity has gone down. But to me, that's not discouraging because let's put in this, put this in a different context. Let's say his plate approach stayed exactly the same. And then his exit velo just went down, but everything else stayed the same. I would be worried about that. I'd be like, all right, something's wrong here. Because he's doing everything he normally does, but now the quality of contact has escaped him. This is different. This is the, the quantity of contact has gone up pretty significantly, but the quality has gone down. What is going on? That could, that could signal some type of adjustment phase, right? Sometimes you kind of have to go through these adjustment phases, find what works, adjust the pictures, adjust scouting reports, and you're kind of seeing that, I think, in the form of just greater contact, some, some greater aggression that you typically have not seen from Dansby. But that is important to me because that sometimes prefaces breakouts like you saw on Sunday because you have to go through that iteration and you'll fail fast and adjust. And I think with Dansby, that might happen. And at the very least, if this like approach change that he's been obviously kind of experimenting with, if that doesn't work, he'll go on to the next adjustment phase. And eventually, because he has that track record, the good news is he's going to figure it out right? In 18 games, I hope he figures it out like relatively soon, but there's no doubt in my mind that like what we're seeing from Dansby in the past three weeks here is not like who he is what, whatsoever. And I would, be, I would not be surprised given all of the different changes we've been seeing for the past two, three weeks, if we see it as soon as this week. He's just, he's, he's one of those veterans you have to trust in the same light as we talk about Cody Bellinger and Kyle Hendricks and those guys. Yeah. So as we sit here, uh, Dansby with a three-hit effort on Sunday. Of course, he hits the homer, drives in two, uh, a 107 WRC plus on the season right at this moment, uh, which would be the third highest total of his career. Uh, and he has already been worth 4.0 wins above replacement, uh, which Brendan would be the second most valuable season of his career not uh, including last year with the Braves, which was his most valuable. So, uh, you know, you can look at war however you want. I'm not going to, you know, campaign for it here. But uh, always interesting to look that when you're combining his offensive, defense, base running, second most valuable season, we continue to look back um, on the shortstop decision this offseason, et cetera, Uh, And I think, you know, it's been said before that Dansby was not the consolation prize of that group. He was the best player and he's playing like it. And the the amount of money they're paying him is like $100 million less. When you said it too, and I mean, this is sort of obvious, right? Like we knew he was a great defender, but you said this, I, I, I think either yesterday or today, like the level of comfort, especially when you're watching on TV and you can't see where the defenders are. You don't know where the ball is going exactly, but you just see an opposing hitter ball off the bat you know if you, if you it's know over. it's going to the it's six hole you done. feel like Dansby it's going to be an out 
And it, most of the time it is. It's the most comforting experience as a baseball fan. And like with his offense, just to finish it up here, like he's going to have to change things as he ages because typically the profile he showcases does not age that that well. Like that's something that I think he can get to and get over that adjustment next season, the season after. I have confidence he's going to do it. It's the same type of thinking I have with certain players that maybe the numbers you look at, like it speaks to you in a way that that's not encouraging. But there are some guys who adjust in unpredictable ways who just have that like that intellect and that ability to implement adjustments. And I think Dansby is one of those guys. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I do want to talk about. Uh, Jameson Tyone and what specifically went into this start against the Diamondbacks because obviously now if you're a fan of CHGO and you follow us on social media you'll know that the real reason he turned it around is because Cody was granted an exception (laughs) to take Tyone in who you got we don't normally allow pitchers anymore uh, but of course, Cody does that, and then Tyone spins one of, I think the Yankees outing was better, but uh, one of his best outings of the year. So I'm curious, as we go down the stretch here, was this just good luck from Tyone? Was something different? Was the pitch mix different? Was there yeah. anything in this start that allows us to say, hey, build on this for the next few weeks? Or are we still in this, like, he doesn't know you know, how much his fastball is running, who knows what's going to happen each time he goes out there. Yeah. I, you know, in a one star observation, sometimes it's hard to figure out what's different or just a byproduct of the lineup he's facing. But regardless of that, he was good against the Diamondbacks. He looked good. And his cutter in particular was quite strong. And that was one pitch I thought maybe we'll see more against left-handed batters. But he threw it mostly to right-handed batters. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. So if you look at what he did, and here's the, the spray charts against Diamondbacks, all those brown pitches you're seeing are cutters, and they're down in a way to right-handed batters. And you can see most of the pitches you see there, they're brown cutters. And then he was able to, in the same window, throw a sweeping slider to wipe out those hitters. He didn't throw many red forcing fastballs. And so it was basically against righties, sweeper and cutter. And that was the way he got batters out. Now, if you look at what he did to lefties, he did throw the four-seam fastball and the, and the curveball as his two dominant pitch types. The command was better on both those pitch types. But counterintuitively to me, I thought maybe we would see cutters to lefties. But there might be an argument to be had that Tommy Hadovy thinks, despite the forcing problems, that in order for him to have success against left-handed batters, he needs to show that. That way, you can use that north to south curveball, and that's how he got his left-handed batters out against Diamondbacks as well. It's just that north to south curveball. And then one other note on Tyone that does look different, and again, it's hard to tell like what's going on with this. But if you look at his cutter, he started the year throwing cutters around 89 miles per hour, and then about. A month ago, that shrunk down to about 87.5 to 88. And then if you look at his start uh, against Diamondbacks, that went down to like 86 miles per hour. I'm like, oh, that's weird. That's like that's quite interesting as well. So his cutter was being thrown about two miles per hour slower. And it has gone down a little bit um, uh, month by month. 
But to me, that signals he's doing something different, perhaps, to his cutter. Or maybe it's just based on the location he's from. I, I don't know. But his cutter was different last start. And anytime you see something as dramatic as a cutter that's thrown like a mile and a half slower, that to me draws attention. And I want to see one more start, get one more start. If it happens again, I think there's something there. Yeah, I mean, look, credit to Tyone, though, right? Like, first of all, there's something, it's not funny. I didn't think it was funny on Friday, but there's (laughs) something like, I don't know, uh, funny about the universe that Tyone spins, you know, six shutout innings, right? Going inning for inning with Zach Galen, and then the Cubs lose one to nothing, right? They can't score a single run. (laughs) Tyone finally delivers that start. It's not funny, but, uh, you know, I don't know. They won today, so it's funny for now. Um, Credit to Tyone, right? Like the one yeah, thing Cody. we've said about him, and a lot of people have said about him. I know our guy Ryan Herrera when he's at the ballpark, Jared Willis when he's at the ballpark. Tyone is very open about his struggles. He's not making excuses. He's not hiding it. He's he's been, as you've noted many times, very open about like, hey, oh, like, yeah, I don't know what's going sure. on with my fastball, right? I'm just going to tell you guys straight up. So <laughs> these guys get paid a lot of money. They're out there doing their job. So you know, you're not patting him on the back for saying, hey, I stunk today, right? But for him to keep it together, make some subtle adjustments or big-time adjustments, we don't know yet, in the middle of a playoff race against a team they needed to beat, right? And he matched a really, really good pitcher in Galen. Like, that was a big start from Tyone. The Cubs' offense wasn't able to pay it off, but for Tyone to bounce back from some of the bad starts that he's had, stay with it and give the Cubs a winnable game there, even though they didn't win it, that's that's really big. And if you continue to do that going forward here, you don't need to throw six shutout innings with nine strikeouts like he did against the Diamondbacks in this series. But winnable starts for this team would be absolutely massive with where this pitching staff is. Yeah. All right. Another break here from our sponsors. We'll get back into it. First of which is from uh, Goose Island. CHGO is supported by Goose Island Beer Company. Chicago's beer since 1988. They have a very deep beer roster. They have the 312 Wheat Ale, my personal favorite. They also have the Oktoberfest, and they have the Full Pocket Pilsner, an everyday beer. It's what the brewers are drinking. Grab ultra-fresh brewery-exclusive beers at Goose Island's original brew house on Clybourne Avenue in Lincoln Park or from their tap room on Fulton Street in West Town. Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's Beer. Last break here from our sponsor, Fubo. Fubo has over 140 live channels of sports, shows, movies, and news. You can stream stream live TV from any device you can start watching immediately, Corey, with a free trial. No contract, no cable, no hassle. Just sign up and start watching. You can watch your local teams even while you travel. College football is back. The Bears are playing right now. A lot of Bears chatter in this chat, uh, which is which is funny. U.S. Open tennis. You know they have the uh, the UEFA Euro qualifiers, the Ryder Cup. A lot of sports coming up. You can watch all your favorite sporting events and whatever else you want to watch on TV with Fubo. Go to www.fubotv.com/chgo to sign up for 15% off Fubo Pro, Corey. 
All right, Brendan, since you mentioned it, I do want to give a shout out. Uh, I am I, I don't know what's going on, but reading my timeline, it sounds like people are a little frustrated with how this Bears game has started. <laughs> uh, but I do want to point out uh, CHGO, best Bears coverage in the city. Uh, they had a wonderful tailgate this morning. Uh, I was at beautiful historic Wrigley Field, making sure I pay attention to yeah. talk about the Cubs. Thank you for your time. Uh, but great tailgates, drinks, food, games, et cetera. Um, I know they're doing a live watch along now. They'll have pre and post game written stuff at all CHGO. Our Bears team is excellent. They provide excellent coverage. If you are a Bears fan, be sure you are checking out everything that the CHGO Bears team is pumping out and uh, don't miss the next tailgate because uh, they are great events. So uh, moving on, I want to talk about Seiya Suzuki. Brendan uh, okay. moved up to the three hole. Yeah, today uh, in the little you know sort of lineup shuffling that we did see on Sunday and I know you've I think tweeted about this and talked about it before uh, but the change in aggressiveness for Seiya and what that has led to and you know looking I was sitting at the game today and looked up uh, at his numbers you know the OPS is over 800 now right you just hear the ball coming off his bat. It's a much louder sound. He popped one up later in the game and threw his bat down in disgust. Oh, like he's at the point where that. he just, he's out of this funk that's, and he's expecting to hit piss rockets every time. <laughs> this is uh, a really important development, not only for the rest of Sarah's tenure as a Chicago Cub, but of course, as we've seen some inconsistencies from this offense, like Sarah coming back into this guy and going on one of these heaters is really, really a, a big development for this offense. Yeah, there was a point where he was demoted to in to not regular playing time in early August, where I started to think, man, like, can you rely on Seiya the rest of the season? Like, is this going to have to be an offseason thing where he addresses? And, you know, to his credit, almost immediately, he takes that week off and he comes back. And he puts up, I think, since the middle of August, like a, over a 440 weight on base average. And now he's going from the back of the lineup, perhaps to the three spot. And what you said right there, he's not happy when he's just missing pitches anymore. He expects to hit balls hard every single at bat. That is the sign of confidence that you want to see. And I, I go back to what Dustin Kelly said. I go back to what other coaches said about Seiya. He is among the best pure hitting data metrics on this team, which is pretty uh, uh, pretty significant considering who's on this team. Yeah. And it's just a matter of him being comfortable, getting his timing down. We know he has that higher leg stride. Dansby Swanson also has a high leg stride that sometimes leaves certain players susceptible to timing issues. And... You know, with Seiya, he's now your guy, I think, in the next two and a half weeks where absent anything significant, you just kind of assume he's going to be a provider. And to, to me, again, you put me back in my mindset six weeks ago, I would have been surprised to have moved to that position so fast. So good for him and good for us. Yeah, I mean, look, and, you know, this is one where, you know, of course, Ross sitting him for, I think it was just like four games, right? Yeah, it like, was like just one isn't week. isn't necessarily, there's obviously changes that have taken place. He's, a, he's approaching his at-bats differently than he was. But I mean, very credit to Ross, man. Like, you know, that's not an You're a easy... big Ross guy. Yeah, don't say that. <laughs> um, 
it's not an easy thing to do, right? Like, say, as a, a high-paid player, it's his second year. He's obviously a big part of this team's plans, but he was struggling really hard, and David Ross didn't shy away from saying, hey, you can't be out there right now. We've got that with Talkman was a lot hotter at the time. Morell was hotter at the time, and it was the right decision, and it has certainly paid off for this team. But, I mean, look at yeah. these numbers, Brendan. Say Suzuki's last 30 games, 112 at-bats. He has 40 hits, 7 homers, 22 RBIs, 20 strikeouts to 9 walks. His slash line, Brendan, 357, 402, 705. That is an 1107 OPS. That's In his last 112 at-bats. I mean, this is a, a, a significant sample here. He has been incredible in this stretch and it's you know could not have come at a better time right like they needed it right candy is struggling a little bit some of these other guys have not been consistent they needed this version of Seiya, and if they can keep it here if this is who he is right for the rest of his career that's a huge development but <laughs> okay. just for this offense in 2023 they desperately needed this and you see it right like when ross needed to move somebody up on sunday who's his choice say a suzuki say a suzuki and the defense too the defense has been he was like so close to making that oh catch my the other day. god man but like the defense has been so demonstrably better this year than last year like to your point like he almost had that that one like bouncer when he came in those batted balls where he's coming in so fast is so much different than last season yeah. there's times where i'm like wow he's getting jumps that like jason hayward used to get during his like peak defensive days um strong words defensively but that that is also something that he has worked hard at getting to a point where he's comfortable in ballparks outside with triple decks outside those are difficult stadiums to play in there was a moment in philadelphia earlier in the season i think it was like maybe late April when he just came back from his oblique injury, maybe early May, and he dropped a fly ball in right field. And there's a there's a point in time where I'm like, can this guy play right field? Like, is it that big of a problem where he's losing baseballs like <laughs> in Philadelphia at night? And ever since then, he's just come back and he's performed exceptionally defensively. This is separate from his actual offense. Yeah. So huge, huge to see, especially for that contract too. He's exceeding his contract, like the amount he's well, being that, paid And that for. was one too, where we knew that over in Japan and the NPB, he had won defensive accolades. So it he was, was the best. Weird. Yeah, <laughs> he's the best right fielder. It was weird that he, but, but of course it makes a lot of sense, right? I think it's, it's, it's easy to forget especially because it's his second year now, that there is a really significant adjustment to coming over. Like you said, you're playing outside a lot more, playing on natural grass a lot more. You're dealing with oddly constructed stadiums a lot more, especially at Wrigley with those, you know, right and left field wells and things like that. You've got a brick wall behind you now. So he's clearly adjusted um, on defense. And of course, uh, we're seeing on offense that uh, he's red hot. So hopefully he can keep it that way um, because it, it is nice when someone other than Cody Bellinger feels like, you know, you're yeah. like excited to see them come up. Um, so a lot of uh, chatter in the chat uh, as a chat is supposed to do. Uh, we are reading the chat, Barb, uh, always. But Why do you always say that, Barb? I told you earlier in the week, Barb, I will read the chat. Yeah, always. You're making um, me sad, Barb. There, there's a lot of questions. Uh, David Ross addressed the Alexander Canario thing. Um, they they brought him up. They're happy that he's getting a lot of this experience. 
being in the clubhouse, being around a playoff race, uh, being able to work with the major league coaches and, and have that experience being around guys like Dan B. Swanson. Uh, and Ross has said, look, these are the guys that got us here. These are the guys that are going to play. Um, and, you know, whether that provides opportunities for him or not, you know, in terms of pinch hitting or things like that, we'll see if Candy misses time and how that affects things, um, you know, how they move things around at DH or first and third base. Uh, but that is that's that's what they've stated uh the only real issue i have with that at this point i'd like to see it just because you know maybe you can see some pop i think especially in uh you know maybe the gallon game perhaps like you're having trouble stringing hits together i wouldn't have had a problem with somebody just trying to come in and pop one didn't have to be canario could have been morel or wisdom um but you know it is it is what it is um this is the group that they're they're going to roll with and they're going to try to win. Um, the only the only issue I had with it is it's just not really how Jed Hoyer laid it out. I think that would have avoided a lot of the sort of anger, I guess, if you will, about Canario's playing time is like when they did that press conference or the media scrum, I think in Cincinnati in the middle of that doubleheader, like Jed Hoyer was talking about how he might be able to provide a little bit to the offense, right? <laughs> He certainly did not say he's come up to enjoy the experience. Of I would love to be called up myself. Yeah, enjoy, right? enjoy the so experience. So I think if he had just not phrased it that way, people would have taken it differently. And I think the next morning, David Ross on the radio was like, we're not really going to play him. Like, he's at the bottom <laughs> of the depth chart. Like, don't get too excited about it. So I think that's really where a lot of the confusion came from, is Jed Hoyer just didn't really phrase it that way in that sort of initial media scrum when he got called up. And that's why everybody that Friday night was like, is he going to play? Is he making his debut in Cincinnati? Blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Um, so I think that would have avoided a lot of it. Um, as far as, you know, a, a lot of the chat really doesn't like Patrick Wisdom. And I, you know, I, I understand sort of, but uh, again, this is the group that got him here. This is who's going to play. Patrick Wisdom will get in there from time to time. He'll pinch hit, etc. When they need a home run, that's how they're going to use him. Um, so a lot going on. Do you want to talk, is there anybody we missed or do you want to talk about the bullpen at all and kind of how they're using things? The one thing that I, I, I don't know if you and I have talked about a lot, um, but I know, you know, Cody, Ryan, and Luke have, have touched on it. What, uh, you want to talk about a win for Jed Hoyer, Julian Merriweather. Julian Merriweather is nasty and the Cubs picked him up off waivers and you have a guy who is a legitimate high leverage reliever. I, I mean, I love watching Julian Merriweather pitch, man. Yeah. Well, you know, he's also team controlled for more years too. So it's not just this one year. And again, it goes to what drives successful franchises is the ability to have scouts find pitchers that they know if they target and the front office acquires that their coaches can optimize. And that is an example of Julian Merriweather. And I think it's an example with even Jose Quas right now. Like when Quas was acquired and you see some of the underlying metrics, it's like, you know, I, I don't quite see it for this year. I could see the intention of acquiring Quas over the offseason. He has that unique release point. They've had success with certain pitchers with unique release points and developing breaking pitches. But when Quas was acquired, I'm like, oh man, like I wish we got more than Quas because I don't know if you could rely on Quas being a guy through October or through September. And he's been 
he's been that. He's been one of the better relievers and one of the guys whom Ross has relied upon. And what he's done since being acquired by the Cubs is actually kind of insane what he's doing. So he developed a new pitch, Corey. Jose Quas developed a new pitch. And he actually developed a slider in two weeks. So I'll show a graph here. I love this graph. So if you look at this... If you look at it's a good graph, Corey. If you look at this, this is his slider horizontal break. So as the line goes up, that means the slider is breaking more, has more sweeping action. And I blocked out three portions of this graph. You have like a gray block, you have a green block, and you have a red block. And the gray block is when the Cubs acquired them. And his slider was moving around two and a half, three inches of horizontal break. Then there's this green block there. This is that White Sox series, and at the start and end of the series, you had an off day. He didn't pitch this week. And then he comes back after that series, and boom, right away, he's throwing a slider with 10 inches of horizontal break. I'm like, okay, that's interesting. Let's see if this continues. Next outing, same thing. Next outing, same thing. Next outing, same thing. And that's persisted. And so Ryan, our guy Ryan and I are working on a story about this, but we actually talked to Jose Quas about this already. And he said, yeah, I developed a new slider. And yeah, it was during that White Sox series I developed it. And so you're talking about a guy who was targeted by the Cubs, gave up Nelson Velasquez, who's having success with the Royals, but Cubs targeted Quas. They did not wait. They said, get comfortable for 10 days. We're going to give you a new slider. And he's been able to take this slider that they've been working on and use it with success almost instantly. That is unbelievably difficult to do. And again, his ERA, I think is what? 1.1, since being a Cub. Insane. And now that's, yeah. yeah, now that slider is grading among the best sliders for relievers in professional baseball from that release point. Well, so <laughs> I mean, it's insane. I, I'm curious for you, when you look at Quas, uh, in terms of results, uh, the results have been very good, right, for the Cubs. Uh, you know, he pitches just a third of an inning on Sunday but gets the out. Uh, but the sort of like if you're looking at like FIP and stuff, right, they're not big fans uh, because his walk rate is currently higher than his K rate as a Cub. So in terms of giving up the runs, it hasn't been there do you think that as he integrates the, the new pitches and sort of makes these adjustments that those uh, sort of peripherals will fall more in line with the ERA? Or does it concern you in terms of just how wild he can be sometimes? Or, you know, especially when you're dealing with a guy with an unorthodox delivery, that's sometimes just something you have to live with. I, I guess I'm asking, how do you reconcile? It's a pretty steep difference in like his ERA. And when you look at like FIP or some of those expected numbers because of the walk totals and lower strikeout totals. Yeah, this is where ERA and FIP and all that, like, I don't care about it. Okay, like, sure. like, it's such a small sample that when you talk to Quas and you ask him, hey, what's going on? He said, I developed a new slider for the first few outings. I didn't have a good feel for it. Now I have a good feel for it. I'm like, okay. So when we talk about FIP, you're talking about a sample in which he's not the same guy anymore. So right. why use that sample to say, oh, his FIP sucks when he just told us He's not that pitcher anymore. So yeah, like he needs to improve the walk rate, of course. That's obvious. And if he doesn't improve the walk rate, then yeah, there might be some issues going forward. But when the pitcher himself tells us, Corey, that he developed a new slider, that he actually has feel for it, I don't care about any of the numbers. Like I just, I hope 
that over the next two weeks and next year that he has success in the form of not walking guys. And I think this is one way of getting to that point. Of course, ERA matters, fit matters, all that stuff matters, but it's not an appropriate evaluation metric right now. It doesn't hold any relevance to me. The relevance is that he has a new pitch. He needs to go comfortable with it. He says he's growing comfortable with it and he's missing bets. That's a good answer. I mean, that's why I asked the question, right? Because I think if people go and look real quick, you know, you'll look at sort of the discrepancy in those numbers, but that's the important context. So when you look at this bullpen right now, right? Who is in your circle of trust, right? Because I think think it's, it's a relevant discussion because we've seen this team play a lot of close games, right? Like we knew that this offense might have some inconsistencies. We've said it a million times, right? Jed Hoyer said, I think this offseason, the best teams blow teams out. And this offense wasn't necessarily constructed where you're thinking, yeah, they're going to blow everybody out every night, right? It's okay. It's who they are, right? You have several guys who are more contact heavy and combined with their defense and base running. It's a more full value thing than just being like a juggernaut offensive hitter. But they're going to play a lot of close games is the point. We've seen it. We saw it in Cincinnati. We saw it this weekend with Arizona. They're going to play tight, low-scoring games, and especially that's often what you see in the playoffs. You have a bullpen that has some guys that are being asked to do a lot, right? We've talked about it. I mentioned it earlier in the show. You look at Adbert Alzali, Mark Leiter Jr., even Julian Merriweather. These are guys who are being thrust and being asked to be the back end of a high-leverage, playoff-contending bullpen, and that's a tall order for them. It's not something that they've done before. It's not a role they've occupied before. Um, You're seeing guys hitting innings limits, et cetera. You've got different guys trying out new or different roles. Drew Smiley is a reliever now, right? Like Hayden Wisniewski has had some really nice outings recently where he's looked more like the guy we saw when he made his debut last year uh, toward the end of the year. If Marcus Stroman comes back, let's say he's a multi-inning reliever if he comes back, uh, if they decide not to like use him as an opener or however they deploy him, how do you think this bullpen is best constructed? And I think a, a sort of sub question to that when you have a week like this and you go back to that red series etc where you see them play so many games where it's one to nothing or two to nothing two to one and you need to cover two to three innings to close out a close win how, how do they best deploy that because we've seen that asking lighter and alzali to do it every day is not a a good strategy. These guys are getting gassed. They're being overworked. They're being asked to be relievers that they're not, at least yet. How how should they best go about this as we head down the stretch here? I I honestly have no qualms with what Ross has been doing with the bullpen. I think it all makes sense. I think you can kind of get into the nitpicky range, like, oh, I wish, you know, Lider didn't pitch that day, or I wish Wisniewski kind of went the distance. Like, I understand all of that. Uh, But I also understand there's a degree of uncertainty that you and I have as fans from the outside looking in. Uh, Ideally, this team needs to miss bats in the back end of the bullpen. So the guys who miss the most bats on this team are one, Adbert Alzali, two, Julian Merriweather, three, in a shortened window, in a very shortened window, I think you could see even Hayden Wisniewski miss those bats with that white bus slider too, 
right-handed batters. Michael Fulmer, when he comes back, is among the same guys. I look at Michael Fulmer and Wisniewski in the same context. Like I think their pitch types are so similar in that both have a dominant wipeout slider, which is crazy to think about with Michael Fulmer because he didn't have that four months ago. Um, and they have cutters that they don't have good feel for right now, which is also crazy for Fulmer because he had a feel for his cutter when he was signed by the Cubs. So my circle of trust probably aligns with with Ross at this point. I think on the edge of the trust is Fulmer, assuming is healthy, right. is Wisniewski. In one inning samples, I don't want Wisniewski to go through like at, at this point with the Cubs current bullpen, assuming that there's issues with Leiter and Alzali and innings. As crazy as it sounds, I would like Wisniewski to get opportunities in one inning, max out everything rolls. Go out there and throw 99 miles per hour, which he's did, which he did last week, and use that sweeping slider to right-handed batters. Don't do it against lefties. Still have a lefty guy in case you can't get hidden through that part of the order. But to me, I think on the edge is Wisniewski, Michael Fulmer. We had a comment about Brandon Hughes. Man, if Hughes can come back from that knee injury, and he's in Iowa this week, and honestly, he may get called up this week. I don't know. It's just my speculation. But if he's healthy, and if he's anywhere close to the same guy as last year, that's an unbelievable addition to this bullpen. Because then you insert him in to the insurance policy for, for Leiter, who's your lefty guy at this point. So on the edge, going back to this on the edge of the circle, is former Wisniewski, Brandon Hughes, as those three guys. Jose Quas, even though we've talked about the slider, to your earlier point, he still needs to grow comfortable with the pitch. And even though he's expressing growing comfort, nevertheless, he still needs to see it. So he's like on the edge, but a little bit further back than like Wisniewski, Fulmer, and Brandon Hughes. Yeah. So the reinforcements would be obviously massive, uh, massive, a huge thing. So Michael Fulmer threw a bullpen on Saturday, uh, supposed to throw again. In the next day or so, like we said, Marcus Stroman is supposed to throw a bullpen, I believe, tomorrow. On Monday, he's still working out at the complex in Arizona. Like you said, Brandon Hughes working his way back. But, you know, where where those guys are when they come back is obviously a question we can't answer. We yet. don't know. But if you can get... Man, even one of those guys oh, in in God. true form and in you know their actual kind of uh, solid form, that would be massive. And if for nothing else, then to just give David Ross other options than Merriweather, Lighter, and Alzali, because that is going to be a huge thing to watch going forward. You've seen I, it over the last few weeks. You yeah. cannot ask those guys to throw every day. Their their performance is not as good clearly when they are overused but when they've tried guys like Palencia or things like that in the higher leverage that's a tall order it right is. so getting Fulmer back and having him be able to be the kind of early inning fireman that he was before he went on the injured list or Brandon Hughes coming back and pitching like he did last year or you know I don't know what short inning Stroman looks like right but it sounds cool uh, if you can get that, that is a massive upgrade, not just because of those guys' performance, but what it would allow David Ross to do with those back-end guys and just not use them every day when you're playing so many close games. Yeah, you know, of the guys we talked about, I think if I had to pick one, if I just take one guy, I'm only allowed to pick one guy who I want to be back in that circle of trust. And I, they're I healthy would, and good. And they're healthy and good. If I take yeah. one guy, 
I would love Brandon Hughes to come back because he is such, he breaks up the handedness in the bullpen. And I think that's so valuable in the seventh innings, eighth innings, because let's say Leiter does draw back a little bit. Honestly, the only guy in the bullpen that can get lefties out is your two back end guys. It's Alzali and Merriweather because they have that tight breaking slider. So if you're in a seventh inning and you can't rely on Leiter, you get you can't rely on anyone else to get those lefties out. So I'm worried about that. So if you can insert Hughes back in that mix, it does solve a lot of problems. And then we had a comment about Luke Little. Luke Little's very interesting too. Like I kind of put him further back in that circle of trust conversation just because he's had like massive command issues before he was called up. But like that sweeping slider is no joke. That thing has 17 inches of horizontal break. He has a crazy release point. He's a massive human being. He has extension that's far greater than most pitchers in the league. If he's showcasing command, if he looks the part as he did in his debut, then yes, absolutely. You put him in in that late leverage, high leverage role. I think if the Cubs coaching staff were comfortable with him, we would have seen it this weekend a little bit more, but we didn't see it. So that signals to me they're not quite comfortable with their, with them that with him there yet. And in Saturday's game, going to Palencia in the 10th inning highlighted my problems and my concern with the bullpen. Because again, it's basically Alzali and Merriweather are bust at this point. And there has to be some type of like pillow of 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 insurance that when it's not those two guys, they can get guys out. Like Palencia, that was that's an unfair situation for him to be in in the tentative. He's not ready yet. Like his command's just not there yet. His slider feels not there yet. That's an unfair situation, but he's the guy because he throws a hundred miles per hour. Yeah. So that is, you know, of course, uh, one of the key developments here, reinforcements would be massive, uh, a very welcome, uh, uh, you know, homecoming for some of these guys. Uh, one more ad break here from our sponsor DraftKings, and then we will set the table for this coming week. Uh, look at the standings, look at the schedule, uh, and then we will uh, let you get on with your NFL Sunday, if that is how you choose to spend the rest of your Sunday. But want to give a shout out to our friends at DraftKings. Seven long months without the NFL, but of course we are back. Games started on Thursday. The Bears are playing right now, and it is good to have the NFL back. And DraftKings Sportsbooks, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving you a can't-miss offer uh, for week one. This week, new customers get $200 in bonus bets instantly when you bet just 5 bucks on any NFL game. DraftKings is hooking everyone up with game day greatness. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every single game day this September. Check the DraftKings app to see what you get. Download the DraftKings app now and use code CHGO to sign up. New customers can take home $200 in bonus bets instantly just for betting 5 bucks. That code again is CHGO. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 
21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See DraftKingsDKNG.co slash football for eligibility, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Again, download that DraftKings app and use code CHGO. All right, Brendan. So here is where we are as Brendan and I finish recording this podcast. It is 5.15 on Sunday, September 10th. So uh, looking at the refreshed standings across Major League Baseball, the Milwaukee Brewers lead the NL Central 79 and 63. They are three games ahead of the Cubs, who are 77 and 67, but remember the Brewers four ahead in that loss column. So a number to keep in mind. In the wild card race, the Phillies are two games ahead of the Cubs, uh, just one ahead in the win column, but three in the loss column. The Phillies are 78 and 64. They have Atlanta on the docket next, so potential the Cubs can make up some ground there. And the Cubs have a two game cushion on the Arizona Diamondbacks, who are 75 and 69. Half a game behind them, the Miami Marlins. One and a half behind Arizona is the Cincinnati Reds. And realistically, the last team in this race is the San Francisco Giants, who are four games behind the Chicago Cubs. Uh, That is where we're at, Brendan. So uh, a nice little cushion, but it's close. You're going to have to keep winning games. Uh, Obviously, the Cubs' schedule here for this week, they are headed out west to play the Colorado Rockies. They have three with Colorado starting on Monday, September 11th. Uh, two 740 starts in a row here in Chicago, and then a 210 finale on Wednesday, an off day on Thursday, and then we see these same Diamondbacks. Uh, three night games, Brendan. It is not what you and I wanted to hear. Uh, we have gone all season without doing Sunday night baseball. And now um, it's our time. And we've we've got Sunday night baseball. Really, like I, I don't love doing it late, but it really doesn't matter. Honestly, the real reason I don't like it is because those broadcasts are just awful. Yeah. I know. Um. So it is what it is. Uh. But three with the Rockies, three with the Diamondbacks. Obviously, you know, key here: have a good series in Colorado. Colorado stinks. Um, and then, you know, you're going to have a tough series against Arizona. Uh, as we just saw, they're, they're, they're a good team. They're going to play you competitively. But uh, I think, you know, sort of same vibe for me, Brendan. You went four and three here at home. I would have liked better. Uh, but, you know, four and two out west would be great. Yeah, I would, would probably take three and three, honestly. But if you're looking to get back into that division, of course, you have three with Milwaukee to finish the season. Uh, but, you know. You're going to want to clean up in Colorado if you are uh, really hoping to take back that division. Uh, but how are you looking at this week, Brendan? Um, you know, with football starting, it always signals baseball is almost over. You know, like we only have 18 games left. I'm going to try my best to enjoy the games. I probably won't because I'll be stressed out about it. But like, I'm going to try my best to enjoy this 2023 team try my best to enjoy Dansby Swanson, Nico Horner, Cody Bellinger playing phenomenal defense and see what happens. At this point, I'm not going to complain about lineup decisions or certain guys playing or not playing. Like at this point, it is what it is. This is the team. It's no longer April, no longer May. These are the guys that will be going out there and 
I'm hoping they just come out and have a successful West Coast trip. It always scares me going out West, you know, just a time zone change. It's a hassle going out to the West Coast travel-wise. Come back, split, still be in the hunt, still have that lead in the wild card. Be within arm's distance in the last week of the division. And I got to say, like in the back of my mind, I thought about this quite a lot. You know, we have the last regular season podcast, you and I, against... Milwaukee Brewers on that Sunday. And that game, maybe for the division, you know, imagine that show. So that's where I'm at. Get to a point where you're still within arm's distance of the division, however you can. Just get me to that last week. Yeah. Hey, uh, sounds good to me. I I only have one simple request. I want them to play well, but I think you're right, (laughs) right? Like we are watching a, they are in the playoffs right now. They are playing well. Uh, and I think uh, at the beginning of the year, we all would have taken that. So I am yeah, going to try absolutely. and enjoy it as well. I have one simple request uh, okay. for this team. When Justin Steele pitches this week, score, score runs. some runs for Justin Steele, please. That'd be, I would like one. for him to throw a single inning this week, right, where he has a nice, cushy lead. <laughs> he does not have to try and protect a one-to-nothing lead. He pitched a lot of innings this week where it was zero to zero or one to nothing or something like that. Please score Justin Steele some runs. That is my only request for this team. Give him a nice cushy W. He's trying to win a Cy Young, folks. Like, listen, (laughs) offense, he's trying to win a Cy Young. Like, give him a little breathing room, you know, a nice four to nothing lead before he even takes them out here, right? That would be very nice. I got this feeling about Dansby. I don't know what it is. I just got this feeling about him. His at-bats today were spectacular. Three hits, home run, you know, contacts up. I think it's, we're past that adjustment point phase. He's feeling himself. I just got that feeling. Well, and hey, hopefully the Cubs offense brings, the, you know, they were feeling dinger happy here on Sunday. Three homers in that third Colorado, inning of the finale win. The altitude. Take that to Colorado. Oh, yeah. man. Hit Let's it high, go. watch it fly. Let's Y'all go. know how it goes. Let's um, go. Yes. So this week, uh, we will have shows for you. I will be playing the role of Cody Del Mendo every day. You're in the studio every day? We are in a playoff race. (laughs) I I, I think no show on uh, Thursday, I think with the off day. Uh, But Cody is heading out to manifest wins in person. Well, guess, guess who else is too? Me. Who, you? Yeah, I'm going to Arizona. So he and I, both. Um, you love the Chase traveling Field. crew. Brendan Miller uh, I, loves oh Chase Field. God. Put don't, that out. Print it. Don't, this is a happy episode, Corey. Um, but listen, Cody's going out west to bring home W's. Brendan is going to go to Arizona. No, Craig, I always wear pants on set. All right? <laughs> Nobody's talking about my legs. I will always be wearing pants. Um, we'll see about the beer bat, Barb. I don't know. You know, I've done one. I want You've Luke never to do one. it. I don't know. Um, but... Everybody here at CHGO, we are going to do what we need to do. Brendan hates going to Chase Field. He's going to do it (laughs) because this is a playoff team, and we need to help them get to the finish line here. Cody, flying out west to Arizona and Colorado because this is a playoff team, and it's what we have to do. I can't leave Luke and Ryan alone in the studio. I have got to go and help this team win games. And if I have to do a beer bat, if that's what's necessary, I will embarrass myself on a live YouTube show and do a slow beer bat chug, I think. Uh, that's what we got to do. So we will have shows for you this week. I, I I will correct it if I'm wrong, but I believe no show on Thursday. 
post game Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday when the Cubs play. Uh, Brendan and I will be back with you on Sunday after the Cubs and Diamondbacks finish on Sunday Night Baseball. So hope you guys can stay up with us uh, next Sunday night uh, and talk hopefully a successful trip out west for the playoff bound as we speak. Chicago Cubs. Let's go. Thank you guys for joining us. I know the Bears are on, football's on, so appreciate you guys tuning in live later on the podcast feed, however you're listening. Appreciate your support of everything going on at CHGO and CHGO Cubs. Brendan and I will talk to you next Sunday, and as always, go Cubs.